Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, it's Scott, and welcome back to another episode of Lip Service, coming to you live. This time I'm actually uh, hanging out on the west side of California, by the beach in Malibu. Been fortunate enough to kick back here for about a month or so, so I get to look out at the waves and uh, relax while I do this podcast. Kind of weird looking out at waves and the ocean while I do this, but very cool nonetheless, and maybe one of the only times I'll get to do this, so I want to enjoy it. I hope you guys are all doing well. I hope you're staying safe in this COVID time. Hard to watch the news. You watch the news and you really don't even want to leave your house. So I hope that you're all wearing masks and you're doing what you need to do. Uh, I am excited actually for today's guest, Steve-O, which I'll talk about in just a moment. But if you like the show, please make sure you rate the show, you review the show, you give it five stars. It's very important to us. Tell a friend or tell 10 friends about the show. It's how the show gets out there. So it's super important for us to have you rate and review the show. Excited for today's guest, Steve-O. So we'll talk to him in just a moment. And uh, hope you guys are hanging in and doing well. And we'll be back in just one second with Steve-O from Jackass. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots' tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press, from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. And more, more importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for a great-looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out, at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love it. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Welcome to the show, a man that needs absolutely no introduction. Steve-O, how are you, my brother? I'm very well, thank you. We had a little interference. We got it out of the way. We're good now. With coronavirus, everyone's sort of in lockdown still, kind of. Are you in quarantine still, or are you out and about? You know, I uh, have been a little bit uh, fluctuating in my concern and in my behavior. I uh, was in albuquerque new mexico i went on a road trip out there to meet up with 
uh, arguably the greatest mixed martial artist of all time, John Jones. Yeah, yeah. And we were doing a bunch of stuff like uh, outreach work, giving out care packages to, to homeless people. And uh, there was a lot of like, you know, absurd grappling going on and, <laughs> and some prayer circles. And there was just a lot of interaction between people with no masks on. And uh, I was all excited because I was getting all this great video footage and I was, uh, you know, in real time, just sending it out to uh, Johnny Knoxville and Spike Jones and Jeff yeah. Terrain on this group thread. And, and, and their consensus was, hey, that's really cool footage, but what the fuck are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> with no mask, like, you know, like what the fuck. And they kind of really chewed my ass off a fair bit. And uh, that was, you know, a little over two weeks ago now. And, you know, since then, it's just, uh, you know, with the news and, the, and all the, the whole rest of the world is looking at America and we're just such assholes. Complete. And I'm like, just finally, I just finally like, just decided, hey man, yeah, I went and got a test. Thank God it came up negative. You did the I nose actually, one? I did the nose one, yeah. Yeah, it's like they're trying to hit your brain or something. It's crazy. It was so, I mean, for you, that's nothing. It's like, you know, this is like an yeah. everyday occurrence, but. I think actually I got a more, um, like a newer variation of the test, which isn't nearly as invasive. Okay, uh, which one is I, that? It, it uh, and it's it's a swab that goes in your nose, but it's not quite so far back. Okay, because I'm and, pretty sure uh, they hit my brain with the one they were doing, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I I heard about that one. I don't think I got that one. But when I finish talking to you, I'm going to get a follow up test where uh, apparently they're going to prick me and get like maybe like a diabetes sort of style prick, and from that they'll be able to determine within one hour. I understand my uh, both COVID. Um, status and my presence or lack thereof of antibodies. So you guys were doing no social distancing, but in the end, did anybody, is anybody sick? Or are they all fine from that circle? Uh, nobody, nobody was sick. And, and, and uh, you know, in the midst of all the prayer circles in the fucking, uh, handing out, you know, handing out all the stuff to the homeless people and everything uh, was um, UFC fighter Maurice Green who just uh, competed in the UFC on June 27th. And uh, that requires very rigorous testing. So we knew uh, it was a good sign when Maurice was allowed to fight and uh, an even better sign that he won. Yeah, and there's so much to get into with you. I don't want to be redundant because I know you've told a lot of the story before, but your story is so fascinating. But I want to talk to you just a couple of things, right? There's the UFC. What do you think about Dana White, what he's doing, having these fights on like off sites and whatnot and islands? And I mean, I think it's great. Um, I think that uh, that there, a, by the time you even get to, this, to the, 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 the event itself, you know, everybody's, you know, been tested for COVID three different times, uh, you know, which basically rules out the possibility of any false negatives and you know um it uh you know i, I think that they're really really doing a, a a legit job now when they had a couple fights there was uh oh but one of the tests one of the fighters tested positive 
they're like, yeah, you know, they, they tested positive for whatever they were doing on their own time. Right. You caught it. And then they didn't come in to inspect their, their clean area. Right, right, right. I think, I think their approach is 100% sound and legit. Uh, I, I'm just impressed by it. I did watch an amazing video when you got your ear. It was like the cauliflower ear thing that you're working on, right? So maybe tell that story because I want to get into your whole history, but that story is pretty amazing. And it was pretty, it was almost disturbing to watch your ear get torn apart. Uh, but. For sure, it was disturbing. And, and uh, what's most disturbing for me is that that footage is even out there. I, should, I feel like I should have uh, been more... Um, more uh, protective of, of letting that out there. John Jones is just so quick with his trigger finger on Instagram. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, um, how's the ear? It's fine. It's it's uh, there's a little chunk missing, but uh, <laughs> but there's, there's not not too big of a deal. Um, it's it's just a much larger project where uh, I, I've I've just done a really elaborate and. Um, you know, really elaborate, absurd shit to try to get cauliflower ear with Chuck Liddell, Ronda Rousey, Jorge Masvidal, John Jones. Like, uh, it's really, there's a whole lot more to it than the one little snippet that John Jones put out there. You just got to uh, hook up with Tyson again and, you you know, the year will be gone. That's all you got to do. I, I was, uh, of course, I was thinking about trying to get him to chew on my ear to see if it would cauliflower. <laughs> yeah. I wanted, do you actually prefer doing these podcasts at your house? Because with the coronavirus going on, you don't have to drive anywhere. Obviously, the audio is not, the connection's not as good, you know, when you're not in person. But I know you do your own in the camper van, right? So. Right. Um, it's... It's uh, a, a little bit uh, impersonal feeling somehow. Uh, yeah. I think that there's something about podcasting, which is uh, really try trying to share, like hanging out, you know, like the appeal of podcasts is that it's like you get to hang out with these people while they're having a, you know, a leisurely conversation. And uh, that intimacy is certainly uh, undermined, I think, by the video conferencing. But with that said, I mean, screw it. You know, it's a luxury for us who are podcasters to be able to even work at all. You no know? question, no question. Tell me a little bit about yours, too, before we get into your, your history and everything. Because your show is actually you driving around. While you're driving, you're distracted. You're, you're interviewing people. How did that come about? Well, it, it initially it was that um, when I first got uh, got it, I got it in my head that wow, I'm gonna actually become everything that I hate. You know, like the most annoying question is, will you do my podcast? And now I'm gonna find myself having to ask that annoying question. Right, right. For God's sakes, it just made me so uncomfortable. So I decided that if I was gonna jump on the podcast bandwagon that I would get a van, which I could use as a studio, which uh, would make it more convenient for uh, you know, prospective guests because I could take it to them wherever and whenever is most convenient. So at least like, I felt like that would uh, make it a little bit less annoying when I asked people to do it. And I started out with a, a very small camper van, which is actually uh, most commonly used as a New York taxi cab, the right. Nissan NV200, and uh, put suction cups on the windows, which uh, 
just parked a microphone right in between my face and the airbag. So if the airbag opens up, I've just got a microphone going through my skull. So does the guest because they've got the same setup and I would be driving around totally distracted. And it was uh, very easy to see rather quickly that that was not the ticket. So I started uh, researching and uh, ultimately upgraded to a class B motorhome in like a big old sprinter van. And now the model is we drive the, uh, we drive the motor home to the guest park it and we're in sort of the lounge area in the back. But now with COVID, it's more of a, you know, Scott, my co-host and I are in the back with the computer set up on the, the galley counter. And is the guest up front or did it actually come on now? Uh, or are you guess, still doing everything remotely? Guest is uh, uh, more often than not, lately with uh, on a monitor we had right. john jones of course right in the back in the lounge with us right in there just sharing all of our uh, you know in between the prayer circles and whatnot our, our corona cooties yeah um <laughs> and and again we got away with that we had whitney cummings um she was in the passenger seat all the way up at the front with it swiveled oh, so there cool. was a good 12 feet of distance between us but the way that the the cases have spiked since then, like I don't even see that it makes sense to do that. I think it's all Zoom. Yeah, the, with the way that it's gone, obviously, with everything you've done in your life, are you worried about getting corona? Is this something? I mean, you're quarantined now I with mean, your fiance, right? I want to say like, oh, I, I don't fucking care. I'm badass, you know. Like, and and even if that was the case, still, like, as a matter of common decency, you know, and respect for people who are older, who have compromised immune systems, who are smokers, who are obese. There are a lot of people who it makes sense to, uh, you know, to try to not catch it and spread it. Um, you know, there's also the Joe Rogan argument that, that it's the people who are uh, high risk who should be quarantining while everybody else goes about their business. Right. But I think that the counter to that argument is that we're seeing a way younger people, um, you know, get it and get very sick. We're also seeing record numbers of strokes and heart attacks of, from people in their thirties and forties. Yeah. It's unprecedented. So it's clear that this virus affects other organs, other, you know, uh, systems in our body than just our respiratory system. And frankly, I, I'm pretty claustrophobic, man. Like, I don't want to fucking not be able to breathe. Yeah, Fuck yeah. that. So yeah, yeah I just, I'd like to not get it. Definitely. You know, until it hits home, it's not really, it's weird. It, it becomes way more personal when you know someone very well that gets it and they get very sick. I have a friend of mine that actually is 39, no real underlying health uh, issues at all. And he was in a coma. And uh, luckily, he's okay now. But until that happens, people, you don't really feel like, if you don't know people that are affected by it, you know, and, and it's not people that are close to you, you don't feel like it's as close to home. So luckily, he's all right. But yeah, it's a crazy thing. But kind of moving forward to my favorite thing about you, by the way, is the fact that you were a kid, you idolized Motley Crue, and you wanted to be sure. like a rock star. Because I don't know if you know my background and, and my upbringing, but I'm, I'm a drummer too, and I play with Courtney Love. And so that was like oh. my whole thing when I was a kid, Too Fast for Love. That album was definitely my album. I'm not sure if that was the album that you were into when you were a kid, but, uh, but I heard a great story about how you called the hotel. Sure. You tried to get, you, you were like looking for one of the band members or whatnot, but kind of talk to me about that story. Cause I love that story. Yeah, it was, uh, 
1987. They were on Girls, Girls, Girls tour. I was 13 years old and just a rabid Motley Crue fan. And uh, I saw on the news the day before the concert that the band uh, was already in in the city and that they had gotten in some kind of trouble or other. And so in my, my head exploded. I thought, well, the concert's tomorrow, but the band is already here. So that means to me that they're staying in a hotel in, right. in the city. It was in Toronto. Yeah. They're in a hotel tonight in this city. And, and I, I'm going to make it my job to find them. So uh, the first question that I asked myself was, if I call a hotel and ask for a room by the name of a guest, like what are they going to be checked in? Like what name are they going to be checked in under? And I was such a rabid Motley Crue fan that I knew that Nikki Six's name was Frank Carlton Ferrano Jr. And I yep. an educated guess that he doesn't use that name. That he's probably not going to check in, even though I would be clever if he did. But I didn't go with that. I, I figured he wouldn't, Nikki Six isn't going to check in under Nikki Six. And, uh, you know, I knew all the guys' real names, and, and I decided that the best bet would be to, to call every hotel and ask for a room by the name of their manager, which was Doc McGee. Right, right, of course. And uh, I, I learned that name from all my tape sleeves. And uh, I just set about calling every hotel, and I sat there for hours, and I ultimately got through. Uh, you know, I was patched through to Mr. Doc McGee's room at like, who knows, like the hundredth hotel that I called. <laughs> and um, some guy answered the phone and, and I asked if he was Doc McGee and the guy said, no, nah, this is Doc's brother, Scott. Uh, you know, who's this? <laughs> and I was like freaking out on the other end of the phone. He, he said, who are, like, how did you get this number? And when I told him what I had done, he was legitimately impressed and uh, he said, dude, you called every hotel in the Yellow Pages? That's badass, or whatever he said. <laughs> right. He said he was really impressed by that and uh, wanted to reward me with uh, backstage passes and tickets in the fifth row. Amazing. Which, uh, which was a big deal because, um, I mean, hey, I love Motley Crue. I wanted to meet them. But um, the only way I was going to be able to see the concert was uh, my dad was like the president of Nabisco Canada at the yeah, time. Yeah. And he had, um, nobody from Nabisco cared about Motley Crue. So the, the Nabisco skybox of Maple Leaf Gardens was empty. And dad uh, reserved it for the night. And I was like, dad, watching Motley Crue behind a plate glass window sucks. And he was like, all right, well, if you can do better, then uh, we'll use your tickets. And sure enough, I got tickets in the fifth row from Scott McGee. Amazing. And backstage, I guess, right, too? Yeah, Dad took pictures of me backstage with Nikki Six and Tommy Lee uh, before the concert started and during, uh, was it, I recorded White Snake, the opener, and then went back up uh, to, I, I set my boombox by the stereo in the Nabisco Skybox to bootleg the concert. Amazing. Yeah. Do you those guys I, anymore at all? I, I'm, I'm in totally... Uh, like have have continued to have a relationship. Not continued. I actually began a relationship with those guys. Um, you know, when Jackass came out, I, I uh, reached out to Tommy Lee. Uh, you know, the the um, he's the best. 
He's pretty rad. Yeah. When, when they had, uh, when they, when they got Tommy Lee back in the band and they were reunited for the, the Carnival of Sins tour, they had a massive press release and a, a, a short concert. And Tommy got me to introduce the band. Uh, they said, man, I got back together with the crew. We're doing this, uh, this show, this press, you know, announcement. I want you to get on stage and do something really fucked up and then fucking introduce us. So uh, I went out there and, and broke a light bulb over my head, took the, uh, a piece of broken glass and like slashed my tongue, bled all over myself, put like my Motley Crue war paint on Amazing. and uh, introduced the band. It was pretty rad. Amazing. Years ago, I was sitting next to a friend of mine, Courtney and Nikki called me and I was like, you guys should talk on the phone for a moment. They spoke, and now they're married. They just had a kid not long ago, as you know. So how crazy is that? I introduced oh, you to his I, wife. You had said that you did drumming for Courtney Love. Yeah, no, no, but Courtney and Nikki's wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But I, I, actually, I actually introduced Nikki to his wife. I actually had no idea that they would, like, get married. I was literally sitting next to this friend of mine. I put them on the phone together, and sure enough, now they're married. I was at the wedding. So crazy, because when I was a kid, Too Fast for Love was probably my favorite record for sure, and that kind of set me out of my path with music and whatnot. But take me back to the beginning. I'm, I'm digressing and I can talk about music for, forever, but you were actually born in London, right? A lot of people don't know that right. you're British. Uh, born in London, which makes me British. My mom was born in Canada, which makes me Canadian. My dad was born in America, which makes me American. And you guys moved around a ton when you were younger, right? Grew up in five different countries, yeah. Amazing. Have you had Nikki Six on your podcast? Uh, that's coming up. That's coming up. And actually, Tommy, too, I believe, is going to be coming up. But, uh, yeah, I love those guys. Great guys. Yeah, um, sure. But, uh, but yes, and you, were you considered... What a, what a pisser, dude. Sorry to fucking cut oh, yeah. you off there. But what, what a fucking pisser that they had an entire sold-out stadium tour. I know. It's terrible. It's the worst. I mean, I feel... I feel like, you know, live concerts actually won't come back for about a year or maybe like September of next year. Actually, you know, with stand-up too, you think that'll come back any time, like within the next six I mean, months, eight months? It's so hard to say, right? I don't uh, have any uh, prediction, you know? I mm. think that, um, I, I just, yeah, I can't predict. I suppose you could look back to the Spanish flu of 1918 and, uh, you know, I think that they uh, describe life kind of going back to normal after a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I, I mean, would you do these, like, driving, you know, they're having, like, these driving concerts. What do you think about, like, a driving stand-up thing? Would that work? Uh, yeah, did Brent Kreischer and his drive-in drive movie theater tour. Would that uh, work for you? What do you think? And uh, if, if you like the joke, honk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Um, I know that uh, of the comedians who have gone out on tour, uh, you know, since the reopening, there's uh, D.L. Hughley, there's Brian Callen, there's Brendan Schaub, all who uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Wow. And, you know, I respect those guys as comedians and I, and I respect their... Uh, you know, they're urged to get out there and put on shows. But at the same time, I feel badly for them because I think it's, it's you know, kind of a, a you know, a bad reflection on them and uh, their reputation to be the guy who is in the comedy club with the COVID. Passing it um, around. Yeah, even if, like, they just went there and caught it, 
yeah. still, you know, like they, they were the, the impetus for the gathering where the spread occurred. And it's, it's, it's certainly hypocritical for me to say that because I was on TMZ right when the shutdown first occurred. It was announced that South by Southwest was canceled in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And uh, my agent called me up and said, hey, all these venues in, in Austin, Texas are uh, looking to, to fill their fucking schedule. They just got, they're all empty and they're looking to bail. They're giving out great deals, you know, what'd you do? And I was like, fuck, I love Austin, man. I taped my first comedy special in Austin and I don't give a fuck, you know? But before I, uh, you know, before I made a real statement about that, I called up Dr. Drew and he said, go about your business. If you don't have, you know, and I, and I booked the show, I fucking talked to TMZ and I said, I, Dr. Drew told me to go about my business. But as soon as I talked to Dr. Drew, I remember that night thinking, I kind of don't agree with Dr. Drew, you know, like, sure, I'm not at risk. Yeah. But what about the person who comes to my show and catches it and then goes home to their fucking grandma? Yeah. You have a responsibility there too, right? So it's Dr. Drew. Did Dr. Drew take back that statement after that or not? I don't know. And I wouldn't even be inclined to put him on the spot to ask him. I think that uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that that was early enough on that we weren't necessarily uh, aware of what we were looking at. I know that I'm a 12 step guy, so I have to be a little bit careful about the decisions I make and, and, you know, because I have a lot riding on it. Of course. And, uh, you know, I know that I felt uncomfortable about it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. It's that de- you definitely don't want that responsibility. No, no question. And you don't want to be the one that's passing on to anyone, but, and, uh, and listen, just get, kind of rewind a little bit, Steve, I was just talking about like, let's talk about a little bit, some of your upbringings. I know we were talking about you moved around a lot, but at a certain point and probably not your favorite subject, but also like we, we have to talk about when I, I did not know that you went to clown school and, and I know that's uh-huh. definitely uh, something that you've talked about a lot, but like, how crazy is that? 33 clowns living together, marine biologists, like it had to be weird, right? It, uh, it was really cool, man. It was super, super cool. And, uh, of course on my YouTube channel, there is a, a video called the ridiculous story of Steve-O's clown career. Uh, it, it, it was, it went over pretty well. It was a popular video because it is a rich, uh, history and and there's a lot of video footage uh, to tell that story. Um, I mean, what's it like going to clown college? Is everyone there just like it seems like the weirdest concept? It's more like um, it's more like boot camp for the circus than college by any measure because it uh, it was really like you know eight weeks of training, which is much more boot campy than collegey and. Uh, yeah, it was just really cool, man. It would have been a great um, reality TV show because there was a little bit of an elimination element to it. Uh, America's yeah. Next Top Clown or something? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you, you had, I mean, you, you had auditions in 100 different U.S. cities, which, uh, you know, you had to go to an audition to even get an application and then once you got the application from the audition, there were still so many applicants that uh, for only 33 clowns being accepted, it was um, like very, very uh, 
you know, exclusive, whatever, it's tough to get into. They say it was, it was as hard to get into Clown College as Harvard, or, as, or harder to get into than Harvard. Amazing. And uh, then 33 clowns got in, but only 10 clowns would get contracts with the circus. So there was a little bit of an element of backstabbing and, you know, like, it, nobody was going to be concerned if another clown looked bad, you know. <laughs> And at what point did you start doing the stunts? Was that, you know, while you were skating? Oh, was, was that while you were that. Way before, way before that. Okay. That. And my only real goal going to clown college was to further my agenda of, uh, you know, to try to become a crazy stuntman. I had devoted my life to becoming a crazy stuntman and um, wasn't getting any traction. I was getting a lot of great footage, but nobody really cared. And, um, I figured that if uh, if I could graduate from Clown College, then I would be, uh, you know, maybe taken more seriously as a right. stunt performer because I was a trained circus professional. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about for just one sec. I know we're going to wrap it up soon because I know you have to go get the COVID test. But so at some point, like, you know, obviously you do the movies. Now you're doing stand up. How's life for you now? Like, let's talk about like stand up now. And obviously you got the, you know, you have your own podcast. Like, what's what's like next year looking for you? If let's say that, you know, Obviously, we'll get through this thing hopefully at some point, and maybe by next summer things are clear again. Let's talk about like what haven't you done that you really want to do that you ultimately like haven't done yet. Um, the big project that I'm working on right now, and that I actually have uh, ready to go finally, is um, it's a direct to consumer distribution uh, video player built into my website, um, which I, I'm only like, I only even got interested in because I have this one project that I'm just so excited about. It's a, it's a multimedia comedy special. So I did my, uh, you know, the, the act that I did on tour, but in post-production, I edited into the act, the footage of the stories that I was telling as they actually occurred. So I'm telling these like obnoxiously crazy stories. And as you watch the special, you're actually seeing the footage of the stories while I tell them. It's, oh, amazing. Like, and then I got so excited about it, how well it worked that uh, I started just filming all kinds of new stuff to just load it in to make it like, you know, as much in part comedy special as documentary as Jackass movie with like new crazy stunts and i ended up with skin grafts on 15 percent of my body like uh in what was by far the most painful injury that i've ever had and um i got the entire jackass cast reunited for the first time since we lost ryan dunn um for the opening sequence you know like when i actually taped the live show uh i had all the guys come out like um one by one like the intermittently throughout the show to do like crazy shit on stage with me amazing and uh it's like i i, I really believe it's the best fucking project that i've ever put together and um it's i was just, gonna actually ask you if we were gonna ever see a jackass reunion so you're saying you well, did i mean we we actually are working on a new jackass movie we were a week into filming it before they uh shut us down with the coronavirus wow i didn't know that it's amazing right. Yeah, um, and we'll see. I think the future of that is uh, largely in question now. You know, yeah. like it's almost a question of whether Paramount Pictures will even 
you know, exist. Right, right. right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's beside the point. So in any case, this uh, multimedia comedy special is very, very explicit. I wasn't interested in uh, watering it down or censoring it on any level. So um, it was a tough sell to get it anywhere. And I ultimately built the player into my uh, website. So it's sort of a Louis CK model of distribution. Oh, nice. The only thing holding me up now is uh, just getting legal opinions on, uh, you know, the ex legal exposure for inadvertently promoting, you know, explicit shit to minors, you know, right, like, right, right. what do I, I've got the age gate on there, like click to enter if you're over 18, like, does that fucking help? You know, like, it's just a weird social climate to be uh, distributing dick footage. <laughs> yeah, especially with the cancel culture going on. Yeah, no question, no question. Right. So, so I'm doing my due diligence and uh, that's the only hold up. But I have a fully functional, uh, you know, infrastructure. I've got it all just a fucking click away, dude. Yeah. Wow, so that we could actually see that next year, right? We could see it next week. Next week, okay, amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you could, like, uh, you could see it actually, frankly, this week. Wow, you know, incredible. Um, I just, I'm waiting to hear back from some lawyers. <laughs> Amazing. Out of all the things you've done, Steve, any regrets? I mean, you've done some crazy things, obviously. And I actually had this great idea to have you eat a murder hornet on the show. And I think the podcast should have been me trying to find the murder hornet. I, I called every beekeeper in Washington. Not easy to find, by the way. It's like you can't find the murder hornet. But I feel like that's something you might have done had I found it, right? My murder hornet idea is to put the murder hornet into a blow dart gun and <laughs> blow it up my butthole. <laughs> oh, that's even better. But I, I just thought if you ate one, it could have been great, but I couldn't find one. I did actually right. look to locate one for, for a while, but I couldn't find one. Right. Uh, any uh, regrets I, at all? I don't know. Like, I, I get the question of, is there anything that I regret? I get it like rather often. And um, my universal answer is, um, at, at least as it relates to my career as a, a doer of dumb stunts uh my only regret really is that i didn't do more you know because there were there are like a number of times that i can think of which haunt me to this day where i wimped out you know or i half-assed it i just fucking could have dug deeper and gotten the footage and uh you know and i didn't so i missed the opportunity because like a jackass movie is essentially it's a battle for screen time, you know, right, it's a bunch, right, right. just a bunch of attention whores <laughs> vying for attention and just yeah. going to absurd lengths to get attention. And I just wish I could have gotten more attention uh, because in my career, the, when something goes wrong, uh, the worse it goes wrong, the more, the more notable, you know, the notch in the belt, really. No question. Do you think I, the murder horner idea would have worked well? I mean, would I go back and, and do the stunt that, uh, that got me skin grafts on 15% of my body if I knew that that's going to be the outcome? Fuck no, I wouldn't do that if I knew that was going to be the outcome. But, you know, given that that was the outcome, I'm stoked. Yeah. yeah. I got skin grafts to brag about. <laughs> <laughs> and also flossing too, right? I've heard that. Oh, like, with yeah, your that's a whole nother... I read before this, I was on a podcast with Tom Segura talking about the societal fucking taboo of telling a man when his breath smells like a fucking carcass of an animal. <laughs> right. And what is the protocol for that? 
Well, it's just a societal taboo. You you don't say anything. Right? Yeah, you just let it, it be. That uh, you know, it's it's fucked up, man. And yeah. I find myself like I want to tell people that when they've got that bacteria, like, hey, dude, do yourself a favor and just run some floss through your teeth and then smell the floss. Yeah, yeah. Because you you can't smell it on yourself unless you do that. If you run the floss through your teeth, smell the floss. If you're fucking horrified by what you smell on that floss, that's then, what other people smell. And that's what other be other people are horrified by being, you know, talking to you. Yeah, no and, question. And I I wimp out every time. I've told like maybe three people in my life that yeah. thing. That just that piece of information, but it's like when you do that test, what happens? Are you satisfied with the results? Or do you feel like I, I need to go back? I can do it because because I'm in like uh, yeah, I floss, you know. Yeah. Well, now you yeah. do, right? But there was ages where you didn't, and that's. Oh my god, happened. there were yeah. They, yeah, there were there were fucking decades where I did, yeah. literally so, decades. It was it was after I got sober that I figured it out. No question. So make sure you floss your teeth, kids. But hey, man, I know you got to run and get this COVID test. It was an honor. It's great to have you on. When you have more time, when you launch that, let's have you come back on and you're not getting the COVID test. And hopefully we'll all get through this. And I appreciate you stopping by and whatnot. Hey, brother. My pleasure, man. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Be well. See you Bye. soon, Steve. Yeah, okay. no doubt. Bye. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. So that was it. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Steve-O. Very interesting. The first time I ever had uh, someone I had to go in the middle for COVID testing. We also had uh, Smoke Perp that got a haircut during the show. So never a dull moment when you're doing these shows through Zoom. It does take away some of that interpersonal connection, but that's all good. It's all fine. Wish we could have gotten to more, but I did enjoy my time with Steve-O. I hope you guys did too. If you like the show, as a reminder, please rate and review the show. Got some other great shows coming up. The Naked and the Famous coming up next week. They will be performing live. Excited for that and some other great guests coming up. So make sure you rate and review Lip Service. Give it five stars. The show is free, and that's how we get the word out there by your help. Appreciate it. See you guys soon. Stay safe, stay healthy, and hope you're all well. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.